Good evening, everyone. Ashley Brown is my name, and welcome back to Hawks Insiders, our Back to Traditional Values Thursday night safe spaces as we look at all things brown and gold here on Twitter Spaces. Um, so sit back, relax for the next hour or so as we go through all sorts of bits and pieces. Um, we're down a couple of soldiers tonight. Andrew Weiss is in the Northern Territory. Uh, so hopefully you're going to uh, try and convince Surioli to come back into the fold. And Simon Morowitz is unavailable tonight as well. But three of the other regulars are here. My co-host for the evening is Darren Levine. Hello, Darren. Hey, Ash. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, we see he's off the grid for who knows how long. But um, hopefully he can convince Cyril to come back into the fold. That would be great. I'm sure he'll be pedalling furiously somewhere trying to get his 3G or 4G to work so he can uh, at least listen to what we're doing tonight. Uh, Brad Klebanti. Hello, Brad. Evening all. Thanks, Ash. Thanks, Gaz. Great to be here again. And Danny Prince, hello. Hi, Ash. Hey, everyone. Good to be here. I'm back on a Thursday night, just like old times. Just like old times, that's right. We've been waxing and waning. We'll stick to Thursdays, I think, for the next few weeks. Um, and then the Thursday night footy is back. But we'll get to that uh, bit down the track. A couple of shout-outs before we uh, keep going. Firstly, to uh, the new owner of Twitter, Elon Musk. If you're listening tonight, Elon, you want to get rid of all the Essendon accounts on Twitter, you uh, will be very happy at all the Essendon supporters who want to abolish them. Maybe some Geelong people too. Uh, you've got our support. And also a uh, friend of the podcast, Nick Mason. For the first time in a long time, the Hawk Talk pod didn't do their weekly podcast. Uh, Nick's got COVID and he's been under the weather. Uh, so we salute him for his brilliant run of with tears of doing these weekly podcasts uh, for several years now. We look forward to having him back with Tears next week on their regular podcast, uh, giving us all the Hawthorne news and views, as they said, always very entertaining and very informed. So get well, Nick, and uh, we hope to have you back soon. Maybe we'll do another one of these combined spaces down the track. Um, so it's uh, this back to how we used to do things. The, the, former, the last game for Hawthorne in the rearview mirror a bit now, three days ago, uh, the Anzac Day Monday loss to Sydney in Launceston. Hawthorne jumped to a 32-point lead, ended up losing by 41 points. So uh, it was all went pear-shaped bad in the last quarter. But as we get into it, um, uh, Darren, what were the good that came out of the game as far as you saw it? Yeah, well, thanks for making me revisit that game, Ash. But um, it, it, was, it was actually pretty good. For the first three quarters, I thought, even though Sydney were well on top in terms of getting it inside 50 <laughs> And, you know, but for some, you know, I think if they kick straight, we probably would have, they probably would have been out of sight at half time. But, um, yeah, just just loved the way that we're continuing to play this shotgun footy. Dylan Moore, Specky, the back line's holding up really well. Cozzy made a good return to form, kicking three goals and seeing sort of those glimpses of the Chad that we know and love. Uh, really love Max Lynch's game. And I thought he was a big factor when he kind of ran out of, petrol tickets towards the end and just more games into to the young kids, Connor McDonald, Josh Ward and Denver. Uh, Brad, the bad, your specialty. Oh, uh, everything except the first 15 uh, minutes of uh, the game, in my opinion. I thought the senior players, again, were disappointing. Uh, a few of the younger boys ran out of legs in the second half, but we forgive them for that. 
some stats. I was having a look after the game and I had to read them again just to make sure that they were uh, correct. Jarman Impey had one kick for the match, two possessions. It's actually harder to do that than it is not with the way our football's played. How he held his spot this week is unbelievable. I know he's been a good player in the past, but to have two possessions in a game and hold your spot is unbelievable. James Warple, 11 possessions, disappointing yet again. And if he doesn't play well this week, he ain't playing for a very long time. Because we've got some good players who are out this week who are all going to come back next week. And CJ, Mitch Lewis, Josh Ward's having a rest. He'll come straight back in. So those are three guys that are going to come straight back in for the Bombers game next week. So a few senior players. Jaeger had 10 tackles, which was good, but he was disappointing in the first half of the game, probably even uh, longer. Did, did get a coach's uh, vote, though, uh, Brad. What was that? Did get a coach's vote. Yeah, which was quite surprising. So I don't think that's saying much considering he got one vote. I, uh, I thought Tom Mitchell was our best player for the day. He was brilliant in the first quarter. It's interesting, Sam moved him off the ball for a lot of the game after the first quarter, which I found quite strange considering he was the best player on the ground in the first quarter. Uh, Jai was good again, you know, probably our second best player on the day. But overall, there was a lot more bad than good, unfortunately. So hopefully it was just tight. You know, the guys ran out of leagues from the Geelong game. But in saying that, we back it up five days later against the Demons on a cold, rainy Saturday twilight game. So it's going to be very interesting this week. Well, we've got, we'll get to uh, get to selection and our preview of that game a bit later on. Danny, I want to ask you a question. No, I didn't put the running sheet. Do you reckon there's been a bit of a bit of chatter that... Sydney played the sub rule beautifully by you know, when McCartan went off the ground with his concussion, Paddy McCartan that is, and uh, Josh Kennedy came onto the ground and they were able to play him in a role, you know, a, a fit midfielder coming on, be able to play in sort of a shutdown role at a time in the game when Hawks were starting, as Brad pointed out, it started to tire. What did you make of that? Should Hawthorne have activated their sub? Should Hawthorne brought Liam Shields on to sort of counteract that at some stage as the game was started to slip away in the last quarter? It's a, it's a really good discussion, I reckon, Ash. Uh, it worked out beautifully for the Swans, didn't it? And what a, I guess, uh, little cherry on top to be able to have a player of the calibre of Josh Kennedy to come off the bench and have an impact in the, in the middle of the park, winning clearances, winning the ball, getting it forward uh, and keeping that momentum going. Look, <clears throat> Liam Shields didn't amaze me against the Cats the week before. Um, I think he's on the way down. Um, I don't know. Look, I'm sure he would have helped uh, the cause on Saturday, but I'm not. I'm not big on trying to take advantage of that sub rule. I think, like obviously, the Paddy McCartan um, substitution was legitimate, and he had a concussion. And we, uh, you know, wish Paddy all the best with his ongoing concussions. But yeah, we didn't have any injuries, so we couldn't we couldn't pull the uh, the sub card. But uh, it probably would have been nice to have a, a fit, fit uh, another midfield option to run through there because uh, our young guys did get run over the top, a top of. So yeah, it's just one of those things. I think um, you win some and you lose some, and we were on the on the wrong end of it that time. Let's get your votes, gentlemen, from uh, from the game. Starting with you, Des. Oh, um. I'm going to give three votes to, I think, um, 
I think Tom Mitchell, I think probably the best midfielder for us on the day. Um, going to give a couple votes to um, Dylan Moore. I think, again, just another another great game for him. And I'm going to give a vote to Denver. I thought he was probably not the best def- defender on the day, but just, um, yeah, I've, yeah I, I think he just kept at it and it was really aggressive and I really liked his game. Brad? Uh as I uh, messaged to the group during the week, I don't think anyone uh, deserved three, so I gave three votes to our man on the mark. At one stage, <laughs> Sydney were four goals 12, so it uh, gave our supporters hope that we actually had had a chance. And I know I messaged you guys, even when we kicked that goal, pretty sure in the last quarter, to put us maybe 15 points up. With 11 minutes to go, Hawthorne led the game, and they lost by seven goals. So three votes, Hawthorne's a man on the mark. Two votes, Tom Mitchell. And one vote I gave to Jai. I thought he was solid again. He had, I think, 23 touches, six tackles. was really good. Cozzy's uh, three goals was okay. He only had five possessions for the game. Uh, so, uh, and Dylan Moore, again, you know, uh, unlucky uh, not to get one. Uh, Danny? Yeah, similar... Well, not to Brad's, but uh, similar to Daz's. Uh, Mitchell, three. Jai Newcomb, two. And Dylan Moore, one. And I thought Scrimshaw was pretty solid uh, as an honourable mention. And uh, also, I got slated for it in the WhatsApp group, but I thought Sam Frost was pretty good as well on Buddy. Uh, Isaac, you've got a question for us. Good evening. Hello. No, my brother, I'm just listening. I love this convo, man. I'm just, I'm just, right. I'm just listening. I might chime in, you know, when I. All right, no worries. Anytime you want to come in, just raise your hand with a question. Um, let's go to um, Box Hill Day. Hey, hey, man, I was respectful. Why'd you do me like that? I just said I'll chime in when I need to. I didn't. Why'd you mute me? I was being respectful. Okay, that's fine. If you've got a question, uh, just let us know, and we'll uh, we'll get you on to speak. Well, can I just Danny. chime in? Can I be up here in general? Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah, sure. Go for it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Hey, I don't like your attitude, bitch. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on there, everybody. <laughs> I'm just hitting so many buttons right now to try and get him out. Sorry. Yeah, that's all Apologies right. for the language, everyone. Yeah, sorry about that. I don't know what's going on there. We, uh, we try to give people a chance and... Uh, People uh, try to abuse it, so we apologise for that. First time that's happened to us. Danny, you are welcome to speak. Talk to us about Box Hill. I don't like your attitude, Ash. Uh, <laughs> Box Hill, uh, off the back of the bye, uh, played up against Coburg on Sunday, and uh, it was a bit of a, a struggle, to be honest. Um, started slowly. Coburg got the jump on him. The Box Hill Hawks had a little bit of the Sydney Swans first three quarters about them couldn't kick a goal to save their lives. I think at one stage they kicked nine straight behinds in the third quarter. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, when the whips were cracking in the last quarter, managed to have a big last quarter. I think they kicked six goals too uh, to run away with 24-point winners on the day. So uh, two wins in a row now and much needed start after starting uh, 0-2. So They've squared the ledger, and it'll be interesting to see how they go against the Casey Demons this coming week, um, especially with Casey probably being a bit short of their sort of uh, their guns because of the 
COVID protocols uh, that have hit the D's this week. So it's a really good opportunity, I think, for Box Hill uh, this week, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they how they uh, how they go. Uh, a couple of the uh, good players for the for the Hawks. Uh, the majority of the good players were actually Box Hill listed players this week, um, but Ned Long was really solid again and had uh, another 14, 15 touches and 10 tackles. I'm pretty sure he's had. 10 tackles in every game that he's played, or they're very close to that. So that's a phenomenal stat for a young bloke um, coming in in his first uh, first season of VFL football. They played Seamus Mitchell behind the ball, which was really interesting. He's struggled to get into games playing as a forward pocket, and that can be a really tough um, area to play in and learn your craft in. So they played him behind the ball, and he had 17 touches and, and 11 marks. So... Um, that bodes well. I mean, we don't need another halfback flanker, but it bodes well giving him a bit of uh, uh, exposure to the other side of the game, understanding the defensive responsibilities, and then hopefully being able to unleash him on a wing or a half-forward flank later on. Um, they talking about um, Jack Saunders as well on, I think, the, the Hawthorne website is playing one of his better games. Yeah, Saunders had 20 touches and um, was in amongst it. I think he had uh, quite a few number of marks as well. I think eight might, might have, you know, so he was, he was getting amongst it. And we know with Jack Saunders and um, I've watched him more last year than this year, but it's, it's a similar pattern. Um, he can impact the game when he's, when he's getting the footy, but he goes missing for long periods of games. So um, then they'll be very happy with Jack having 20 touches in a game. If he can average that he's, he can be a very damaging player. And then, and then uh, Jackson Callow, um, had a, did a bit of everything. I think he had uh, like yeah, in the teen, early teens touches, uh, a few marks, kicked a kicked a goal, one goal, two, uh, eleven hitouts. Um, so he's earned himself a, a spot in the in the AFL team this week, and um, and I'm sure the the boys are really excited about that too. So yeah, and I think the other probably notable thing was uh, Lockie Bramble playing um, his first game for Box Hill for the season, and earning himself a, a game in the Hawks side straight away. Uh, we'll get to Callow. I want to talk a bit, a bit more about him when we sort of preview this game and look at the ins. I want to sort of look at how he, he played and how he consistently might uh, play in the side together. Hawthorne injury list uh, came out yesterday. Uh, not a whole lot to report. Uh, that obviously Tom Phillips might be playing for any time soon. The vision of him on, on crutches and talking about a syndesmosis. Uh, uh, interestingly or cynically, the scan was taking place pretty much after the uh, straight away, after the report was filmed. So it would be another week or so before the club will communicate the extent of the injury, you'd think. But he obviously won't be playing for a considerable period of time. Um, a few will come back next week. I mean, it looks like the uh, CJ will be back uh, for the game against Essendon and Mitch Lewis will be back for that game as well. So they're going to have a couple of significant ins. Uh, Ned Reeves still probably two to three weeks away, you'd think, from from returning. But uh, a little bit of promise there. Um, I saw a report today that uh, suggested that uh, Downey might have had COVID. I, mean, I know he was at training this week because he was in the video uh, congratulating Callow on his as announcement. But uh, Downey mightn't have played last week. I don't think he didn't play, did he, Danny? No, he didn't, and it was a bit strange that that would explain it because he was in one week and then, yeah. um, and then gone. So that would be a good explanation, even though it sort of fits in beautifully with this club giving nothing away. <laughs> giving nothing away. That's one thing, Sam. There's a lot of things they're doing differently and better from Com's point of view, but they still play 
ducks and drugs when it comes to the injury report. But yeah, they get through uh, they get through Saturday okay. And I think there's been again we'll talk about selection down the track, but I think they have taken it slightly uh, a bit of a squat approach to this fortnight of games. But things looking uh, promising on the injury front. Tyler Heading. Brockman being back for Box Hill next week is a good thing too, I think, Ash. Something yeah, that's right. And uh, again, the club's a bit cryptic with the uh, with the uh, explaining as to why he hasn't played. And he says he's done one of those Hawthorne mini pre-seasons. Uh, but I would say that uh, homesickness uh, is the reason we didn't see much of Tyler. Haven't seen much of Tyler Brockman so far this year. He'll play out the season, Brad, you think. But, I mean, he'll be one to watch, I suspect, come the trade period, come the end of the season. Absolutely. It's obviously, he's been uh, homesick while we haven't seen him. I know, uh, I think it was reported, I can't remember where, that he had gone home to WA. He had the same problems last year. I know the COVID years were quite tough, you know. But in my opinion, I'd be very surprised if he's on our list uh, next year. I think he's going to be one of those that, at the end of the season, is going to request a trade back home uh, to WA which is unfortunate because it's a position that we really need to fill. Luke Bruce is definitely coming to the end. He's probably got one, if not two years max left in him. He's still playing decent footy, but Dylan Moore's obviously shown he can really play that position well, but you need at least two high-quality small forwards. So I know we've mentioned Seamus uh, Mitchell, who they obviously put behind uh, the ball. There's Jack Saunders. But we really lack that second quality up-and-coming small forward and Brockman was going to be that player. So fingers crossed he can turn it around, but I just can't see it, it happening. I, but I believe he'll be back in Perth um, playing footy next year. Well, he's not a, if he's not in Perth playing footy next year, I think one other club where he could well be at, and that might be Port Adelaide because he was very close to Sean Burgoyne. So watch this space. We'll get back to that one a bit later in the year. But I hope he plays. I mean, he's he was averaging almost a goal a game when he played. He's, he's, a, he's a sneakily good player. Brockman, I hope they can find some room for him in the team uh, once he's played a couple of weeks at Box Hill. We're going to get to a bit of news around the Hawks, and there's a few uh, bits and pieces going around before we start looking at towards the Melbourne game. Don't forget, if you have something you want to discuss and you're not an idiot like the last uh, dude to try to come on, we'd love to hear from you. So raise your hand, request to speak, and uh, we'll get you on. Uh, and uh, hopefully you do have something worthwhile to say. Unlike our old mate who was on before. Um, James Sicily has been named captain of the football club for the next four weeks. Um, I saw that uh, headline on AFL.com announcing it, but then realised that uh, that something about him sort of being volatile or something. But then I realised they probably took that from uh, Sam Mitchell's press conference, so we can't really blame the AFL.com people too much. Um, Daz, your thoughts at the news that uh, Sicily be captaining for the next four weeks? Yeah, I think it's I think it's awesome, and I think it's well deserved. I think he has he has really been that that sort of loud voice there in the back line, and a, uh, you know Sam spoke of his his maturity, and um, I, I I think it's a great opportunity for him, um, and 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 probably does kind of signal how serious the club are in elevating him into a captaincy position within the next few years, maybe after McAvoy retires. Yeah, I certainly think it's a you know we. Jager held the job for four weeks. Um, they've talked about having a flattened leadership structure all on this year. I, I think they've actually they never actually announced a leadership group. It's pretty much been um, Ben McAvoy as captain, and then others stepping into leadership roles as needed and as required. 
um, and that's why we had Jager as the captain, and now we have um, Sicily taking the role. Um, I think he'll be outstanding in the next four weeks. I don't think it'll detract from his play where he could possibly say that uh, it was a bit of a burden for Amir. You could argue that. I'm not sure it'll be the same case, Danny, for Sicily. No, absolutely not. I think uh, he just strikes me as the sort of guy that will thrive under the extra pressure. He kind of looks like he just enjoys it. Um, so the responsibility, hopefully it has a twofold effect. Hopefully he embraces it and it takes his game to another level. And that release of pressure allows Jager to find some form and win a bit more of the footy. So we can have a bit of a win out of both sides of the coin. The other bit of news with Sicily is that he's edging towards signing a new deal. It sounds as though Collingwood, maybe through Graham Wright, was stiffing around and trying to get him to their footy club. They're going to have, uh, you know, he'd, he'd be pretty nice in the Collingwood back line alongside uh, Jeremy Howe and, and Darcy Moore, that's for sure. But uh, it looks like he's going to commit to re-signing with Hawthorne. He'll probably get the long-term deal, Brad, as well, that he deserves. Absolutely. He'll be at uh, Hawthorne. I'd be surprised if there was more than just uh, the one club. Uh, who'd inquire at, about Sis. You know, he's come back from his knee and he's been unbelievable. The form he's shown, he's been pretty solid just about uh, every game. Uh, I think the captaincy is perfect for him. I think he'll be our captain start of next season and uh, beyond. I think we forget, like, he's quite uh, mature now, Sis. I'm pretty sure he's either turned 27 or he's turning 27 uh, in this uh, season. So uh, I think he'll get at least... Um, a three-year deal. Uh, can't see him going anywhere. So I reckon he uh, deserves it. He'll probably be a highest-paid player, which is fine. We've got a lot of room in the salary cap, and uh, he deserves it. He's our best star player, and he's probably going to be our captain. So yeah, uh, good luck to Sis because he deserves it. Uh, the other player mentioned in the same report was um, Jack Gunston. No contract yet. Um, both player and club happy to see how he goes. Uh, given that he missed pretty much all of last year, and then they'll look at things towards the end of the year. He certainly seems to be invested in the footy club, in, in what he's doing. But a question I want to throw this around with the three of you, starting with you, Darren, what would you do with Jack Gunson? Would you, I mean, Hawthorne, he's, he's past 30, or he's pretty close to 30, which is the witching hour for Hawthorne. You don't get long-term contracts past the age of 30. What would you be looking to do with Jack Gunson come the end of the season? I'd actually try and um, keep Jack Gunston because I think he's, he's he's clearly made a big difference coming back. And I think he's also improved the game of, you know, Mitch Lewis and the other forwards allowed them space and, 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 and given us a bit of a forward structure that we lacked when he was out. So I actually think he's really important for us. And he's actually been in pretty good form. Aside from a, a few games where he's gone missing in key moments, he's, 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 he's been in reasonable form. So... I think they broke that rule for Isaac Smith, didn't they, Ash? The one-year contract rule? They definitely did. Yeah, so, you know, maybe maybe Gunners deserves a couple of years. Yeah, I think uh, I'd be okay offering him a two-year deal um, with an incentive or a trigger for that second year. Um, just the back injury still sort of scares me a little bit and... I think his form's actually been a bit patchier than than you think does. He's had some really good games, but he's had his bad games have been absolute shockers. So, but I but I absolutely agree with you. I think there's real value with having Gunston in the side and in the squad. Um, 
A, to be a bit of an on-field coach for those young forwards um, and provide them a bit of leadership and a bit, bit of guidance and also to take a little bit of the goal-kicking pressure off the Kaczynski Lewis. I think, ideally, our forward line has Cozzy and Lewis and uh, and Gunston as the third tall uh, with Bruce and Wingard and Dylan Moore. So... Um, I think there's serious value there, but I, I wouldn't want to overpay him. I think um, there has to be a limit on how much you give uh, length of contract wise and dollar amount wise to, to Jack Gunston. Nathan, you got a question for us? Hey guys. Hey guys. Thanks for this. Um, oh, he's trying to connect in the meantime, Brad, what do you think about uh, Gunston? Uh, Nathan's there. I think he's got his question ready to go. Yeah, ready to rock. Um, I, I think we got a reward, Gunston, actually, with you're saying a trigger for a second year. I'm all, I'd almost go a trigger for a third year. He's shown to us that he, you know, he really wants to stay and, and build that next premiership list with, you know, he might not be part of it, but I think there's a real element where he can, yeah, get a third year. He, he's, yeah, that, that year off last year might have actually been a blessing. Yeah, I think it certainly freshened him up. I mean, the thing about Gunston is he's—I don't think he's got the uh, don't think he's got the tools anymore to be the second forward in the Hawthorne forward line. He's really got to be able to be the third forward. I think the St Kilda game showed the folly of him trying to be the second forward, but they can work him. And I'm not sure he's got that sort of gut running in him anymore. You know, of 2014, 15, 16, where he can run up and down the ground, you know, presenting as far as half back to get the ball. Uh, he does more of his work, I guess, in the forward half now. But if they can set the team up nicely, he's certainly got a couple of years left. But he's going to need to, he's going to need some help. And uh, they obviously identify a player like Jai Sarong um, as his eventual replacement, very similar sort of player. But he's still strong. Probably needs, probably won't be ready to play AFL football to next year. Brad, what do you think? I think it's an interesting one. I think he definitely deserves one year with the trigger for a second. I think two with the trigger for a third is a bit too much with his history. It's hard because we've got young players in the reserves who need to be playing senior footy. Jacker, who played a few games last year. Jackson Callow is going to be making his debut. Uh, Cozzy's another one who they seem to think is a forward, uh, not a defender. Jai Sarong, who's coming through, who's that same type of player. And if Gunston plays, none of those guys get the opportunity to play. We know Mitch uh, Lewis is now going to be our number one at least for this season, probably going into next season. Gunston, as you've mentioned, is such an important player now. Since he's come back, he's helped uh, Lewis. Dylan Moore's become an even better player. But as I mentioned before, it's very difficult because two of Callow, Jecker, Cozzy and Lewis, in my opinion, have to be playing every single week. So it's a tough one. I think this year being a development year, Gunston plays every week. It's probably going to need a rest the second half of the year sometime where we'll see a Jekyll or, you know, Callow and Cozzy and those type of guys play. Maybe even Jai Saron gets a debut in, the, in uh, the back half of the year. But Gunston will definitely get an extra year. It's going to be interesting to see if we only offer him one. But a contending team might give him two, whether he goes or not. Because as uh, Nate mentioned before, he decided to stay because we know in the last couple of years a few clubs have come for him. But similar to your wind guards, um, you know, those type of senior players who decided to stay to be part of, you know, helping build our next premiership team. So interesting times ahead. 
the other bit of contractual news. Thanks for that, Nathan, by the way. Thanks for coming on. Um, the other bit of contractual news, uh, Mitch Lewis was quoted on AFL.com saying he loves the club and uh, definitely wants to hang around. He's out of contract at the end of the season and he's hoping to sign another deal for two to three seasons to stay on. I don't think anybody would have a problem uh, given how he's come on this year with uh, with Mitch Lewis uh, sticking around for the medium term. Daz? Yeah, and, and full credit to him because I actually thought he was had a pretty disappointing year last year. I know he had a few injury issues and um, that sort of unfortunate concussion issue with the boxing. But, um, yeah, I, look, I, I actually thought Cosy was probably ahead of him last year, but um, he's come roaring back and I just think he's such an important piece of, of that next premiership puzzle. Um, key forwards like Mitch Lewis don't grow in trees and, you know, we've, we've nurtured him and, and, he's, and, he's, and he's rewarding us. So uh, another player that's, that's sort of essential for us to contract, I think. The next bit of news about the Hawks is that the fixture is out for the next few weeks. Um, and so let's go through quickly. For round 12 will be a Sunday 2-10 game against Collingwood at the MCD Hawthorne home game on Foxtel. Then six days later, they go to Perth for a, uh, a late afternoon game against Fremantle at Optus Stadium. Then they head from there into the bye in round 14, and then, believe it or not, the AFL has actually given Hawthorne a Friday night game. It is is incredible. Never thought it would happen. They, you know, they're giving Essendon all these Friday night games. Even North have had a Friday night game ahead of Hawthorne this year, but finally they've had their arms twisted by someone or they had no choice. Hawthorne v Western Bulldogs on the 24th of June, 7 o'clock start. Uh, at Marvel Stadium, which is interesting um, during the school holidays. Uh, Brad, you're a fixture guru. What do you make of uh, make of those fixtures? Yeah, the fixtures are good. It's good to see that we get uh, rewarded with at least one Friday night. I think Marvel against the Bulldogs, you know, they're not playing so well at the moment now, but, you know, they're usually quite an exciting side to watch. They play fast uh, footy. Hopefully by then uh, we're not, you know, our buyers around 13. So hopefully, you know, we're not, say, you know, four and eight or four and nine at that stage. But I think it's good that we get a Friday night. How the Bombers got three Friday night games is unbelievable, especially with one of them against the Eagles in Perth, which will be an absolute snore fest. And at that stage of the season, both those clubs will be prop, will be bottom three on the ladder. So I don't understand how it works, especially because it's a floating fixture. Ash, you were at, at AFL House uh, once upon a time. I would love to know what the thinking is and was, especially now being a floating fixture, how they would have come up um, fiscally as well with giving the Bombers three Friday nights in a row. Well, one of them's a um, one of them's their hundred fiftieth anniversary. Game, yeah, it's a foxhole. It's a, you're right. It'll be an absolute stinker. It's, it'll start at halftime. The Bulldogs Hawthorne game. Yeah, so no um, one's going to be watching it anyway. Yeah, I think that. Um, Look, one of them is well-deserved for us, and it's their 150th anniversary, and they've hand-picked Carlton to play on Friday night. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, that's a good night to go uh, to avoid the city if you're, if you're for those two, those two supporters on mass in the same place, uh, 90,000 of them, whatever it'll be. Carlton actually have a very good record in these games. They played Collingwood hand-picked them twice, I think, as their opponent for milestone games, and Carlton beat them twice. So you think Carlton would – and probably Carlton do the same again. You think Carlton probably beat Essendon. 
Essen is stupid. They should have chosen uh, anyone but Carlton for their uh, miles. They should have chosen us actually. Um, it would have been Hawthorne would have been a, a better opponent for them for a hundred fiftieth anniversary. Um, so I can understand that one. Can't understand why they're given three five nights in a row. But the AFL do that. They fall in love with these mediocre teams. They've done it with Carlton year after year. They picked St Kilda one year when anybody could look at St Kilda and said they're going to struggle. Um, but maybe Hawthorne's playing a brand of football now that they want to uh, dip their toes in the water. You know, people can have a, a look on a Friday you know, at prime time at Sicily and GF and a couple of the other exciting Hawthorne players. It's a Hawthorne replacement game as well, so they'll be hoping to get a fairly... It's a member replacement game for Hawthorne, so they'll be hoping to get a fairly decent crowd. And the 7 o'clock time slot as well is quite interesting. Here's a question for you, Danny, as a as a family man. Um, Friday night footy, 7 o'clock start, is it more tempting to, to think about going? Uh, yes, taking the family, but it also means I've got to work out a way to finish work a bit earlier and <laughs> and, and and get over there, so... Uh, it's a it's a two edged sword, but I, that's probably a game I'll look to take my kids to for sure. Yeah, and what's interesting as well about the uh, what the fixture is they they're just uh, from a non Hawthorne perspective is they're loading up on Friday night, uh, Thursday night games in Melbourne, so they're they're really testing the waters. They're using this fixture block to test the waters and do a bit of research into what sort of crowds during school holidays will go to the, the MCG on a a Thursday night, and the three Thursday night games, I think for memory, and I'm not sure which order they're in, is the another Richmond-Carlton, there's a Richmond-Port Adelaide game, and there's also Melbourne-Brisbane, which could well be the grand final preview. If you look at it on form, you might well say that they're the two best teams in the competition at the moment. So I'm looking at that with a lot of interest as well, just from a bigger football perspective to see whether uh, Thursday night football uh, succeeds in the, in the middle of the Melbourne winter at the MCG, so not even going indoors to Marvel. It's where people brave the elements in the depths of the Melbourne winter to watch Thursday night footy. Darren, are you a fan of Thursday night footy? Yeah, absolutely, and I'm, I'm actually missing it tonight, to be honest. I'm, I'm, it's a good way to sort of ease into ease into Friday and the weekend, um, and I would love the Hawks to get a Thursday night game. I think actually going back to your question about Friday night footy of the family, I think Marvel to me is more off-putting than the night fixture. Yeah, so, well, it depends where you, which part of town you're coming from. From where, from where we live, it's an extra uh, 20 minutes to get to and and parking out of the question, whereas at the MCG, you might want to chance it. So uh, it's, uh, it takes a bit for Hawthorne supporters to go to Marvel. Um, and we've got the home game there against Adelaide uh, a bit later in the season as well. So... Uh, We'll see how that goes. I don't think it's Hawthorne games at Marvel as the away team. Usually it's for diehards only. and Usually just a sort of smattering of brown and gold behind the goals, usually at the uh, at the uh, Coventry end. That's usually about where most of them congregate. Um, all right, so that's the fixture dealt with. Um, AFLW, not a lot to report from a Hawthorne perspective. And the VFLW team's flying, by the way. I think they've won seven or eight straight and uh, they're looking very good things to play finals. I think the finals there in the VFLW are actually uh, only a few weeks away. I've been told on reasonable authority not to panic by the fact that uh, every other of the expansion teams seems to have been signing big-name players. Uh, I'm told that Hawthorne has made some nice signings as well, but unlike the other clubs, is waiting because without a CBA, all they've got are verbal agreements. Hawthorne is waiting for the CBA to be announced so they can actually announce their signings. But it's been said because I did raise it with someone involved in the AFLW program during the week. So you guys have been very, or you girls have been very quiet. And 
the message came back to me, don't worry, they're just being very conservative with the announcement. So Hawthorne will hopefully be making a splash of its own, probably not of an Aaron Phillips-style uh, splash going to Port Adelaide, but uh, rest assured there will be some good-name players um, coming to Hawthorne before too long. Now, sort of getting back to the TV side of things a little bit, I want to throw this open so this is not really a Hawthorne thing, but uh, the big announcement during the week about streaming that uh, the AFL is uh, over in America at the moment talking to Paramount Plus about a possible broadcast package which would put games on Channel 10 and a lot of games on streaming through Paramount Plus. There's also talk about Amazon maybe picking up a Thursday night game like they do in the States. Um I want to get this, uh, you're all involved in this. Brad, you work in industry, so I'm going to start with you. Um, what do you think of the landscape the AFL is trying to create for footy broadcasting going forward? I think it's going to happen. It's the way of, you know, it's the way of uh, the world. We've seen it, especially the growth in the last five years of streaming services. And the AFL aren't silly. They know that that's what we are, you know, that's what uh, the future is. And it's uh, going to happen. It's just how many games. It's whether or not they're going to get all the games. It's interesting that, you know, um, Channel 10's owned by them as well. So I think it would be great to see footy back on Channel 10. The count up clock instead of the count down clock, I think, was a great thing that Channel 10 had uh, back in the day. Um, and I think, I reckon their commentary team back in the day and the footy shows uh, that they had were actually uh, really, really good. And I know, I think I saw it was uh, reported, but I'm pretty sure... The AFL are actually haven't been happy with the way Channel 7's broadcast uh, the footy for the last uh, couple of years. They've dropped, you know, uh, their footy shows as well. So change is coming. And Gil and his guys don't get on the plane and go on a junkie trip to the US and meet all these big companies if they weren't serious. So in my opinion, something big is going to happen. Uh, I'd be very surprised if they didn't do a deal with Paramount. So there will be games on streaming. Unfortunately for many, we are going to have to pay, but the same way people pay for KO Sports at the moment, and KO subscriptions in the last six months have skyrocketed as well. They've had a huge um, six months with their subscriptions. So people love uh, their footy. Uh, the AFL are smart. Uh, they know it. They know it's going to make them a lot of money. So it's going to happen. It's it's really interesting. Um, I think I, I, you say you're confident with Paramount. I think. News can't afford to not have the footy. Um, <laughs> my, no, my sport live is not going to bid for the footy life, Daddy. Um, <laughs> but I think Wishy's quite ready to bid for it yet. Um, but I, I think KO's business model is so predicated on AFL, and Fox Sports' business model is so predicated on having AFL broadcast rights. I just can't see news not paying up, not matching the bid, Brad. They will be. I think they'll... They'll find a uh, medium uh, ground. Gil will do some type of deal to make uh, yeah, everyone uh, happy. There's obviously going to have to be games on free-to-air TV. And whether that's Channel 10 or Channel 7, I think Chan- I reckon the Paramount deal will get done. Um, so I reckon the games will move to... I reckon the free-to-air channel will, will be Channel 10. But it's going to be interesting to see how they do the deal for the subscription base. As you mentioned, news definitely need footy. It's, you know, front page and back page on a daily uh, basis. But we've seen the way that the most recent deal got done. You know, we see games obviously on, you know, Fox have all the games, Seven have a lot of games. They'll find a way. It's just the way 
the media is at the moment and how fast-paced it is with all the changes, uh, we'll see a deal done where we'll look and go, wow, uh, how did that yeah, uh, happen? How did Gil get it done? But it's going to happen. So, again, watch the space. A streaming service like Paramount are going to get the rights in my... He's a genius, Gil, because he's managed to create competition for the rights. At a time in a depressed economy, he's managed to create a competition for the rights. Well, that just drives signed, the price up. Yeah, he's so during, smart. Yeah, well, during the COVID uh, years, you know, he managed to sign that two-year extension. Was it a nine, $950 million deal? Something um, like that. Yeah, to get you know to to get the game through, you know, obviously it's gone through the toughest period and it's come out on the other side. Uh, the next deal is obviously it's yeah, it's obviously going to be a billion dollar deal, and he's going to leave the game a very happy man, Gil. I think he's going to get a nice pay, a nice pay packet, a nice farewell when he leaves. I do a Brisbane radio spot once a week with SEN in Queensland, and they asked me today whether the, the the bit of mail in Queensland is that. Brisbane Olympic Games committee is going to go very hard at Gill to be the CEO of the game. So uh, oh, watch this sorry, space as yeah. well. There'll be a lot of businesses who are going to chase yeah. Gill. And I think you'll start to see in the news over the next six to 12 months, his name's going to be popping up. He's going to be sitting on quite a few different boards. So Yeah, I, a... think, I reckon he's going to be uh, I reckon he's going to go into the venture capital space myself. Danny, you are a... If, if Hawthorne's... Love number one for you, then Melbourne City is uh, 1A. I think I might be right in assuming. Yep. Can you tell me about Paramount Plus as a consumer? What do they do well? What Where would they need to lift their game if they're going to be handed the, uh, the uh, holy grail of the AFL? Well, I'm glad you asked me this question, Ash, because I was ready to come off the long run-up, Brett Lee style. Um, <laughs> if the AFL, if Paramount get the AFL rights, they better do a better job than what they have done with the A-League rights so far. Um, the, I think the, uh, they don't have any sort of, we used to have like weekly A-League wraps. It, it feels kind of like a little bit off Broadway sort of thing, um, the A-League now that it's, uh, that it's away from uh, free to air and KO. I mean, it's kind of, it's on 10 play a little bit, but it's all, it's all second rate stuff. I think, and look, that's probably how the A-League's treated a little bit in this country anyway. Um, so maybe it's a reflection of the standing of the A-League in people's minds as much as um, or, uh, Paramount's mind. But um, you would think that the streaming or the, the amount of money that, the, that Paramount would put in towards the streaming service and the promotion and the marketing and... Uh, the programs that are supplementary programs around the, the actual games themselves would be um, massively increased if the AFL were to get um, to get to move over to Paramount. So at the moment, I think they're probably just using the A-League as a testing ground for live sports streaming. And uh, once the footy's there, they'll get through all the hiccups and the road bumps. Uh, and it'll be a beautiful streaming service for the Vic- Victorian and Australian golden child that is the AFL. Yeah, I, I was one stage, there was a game on Channel 10 and the same game was on Paramount Plus. And I was flicking between the two. It was like a 30-second lag between the... It's terrible. Picture on Channel 10 and the it's picture terrible. on the... That clearly won't fly. The other thing I think that will happen is that um, there will be a requirement for a lot of uh, non 
match day program, which has been the AFL's issue allegedly with Channel 7. But I think whichever free-to-air broadcaster gets a deal next time will have to commit to X number of hours of non-match day programming, which in the case would bring back shows like Talking Footy and Game Day and that sort of thing. That uh, Channel 10 did pretty well when they had the rights back then. Channel 7 has largely dropped the ball. But we wait, uh, we wait this with great interest. Brad? Yeah, I was just going to say what Quincy was talking about, the production values uh, for the A-League. I've, I've heard pretty poor things. But with TV, costs a lot of money uh, to wait uh, to make. Um, I work in uh, the TV department of my uh, business and people don't realise the amount of resource and work that goes on behind other scenes. So if the AFL were, you know, if Paramount were to get uh, the footy rights, they'd pump millions and millions of dollars into it. And I'm sure the production values would be uh, uh, bumped up because I have heard poor things about the A-League, but as Prinzi said, unfortunately, the A-League as a sport in our country uh, has uh, dropped quite a lot in the last probably five or so uh, years. I think about a decade ago, uh, Prinzi would probably agree, that A-League was uh, flying in the country. So it's disappointing. But I think footy is the type of game, you know, it's the biggest game in our country. So I've got no doubt it'll be fine once, you know, if Paramount do get uh, the rights for the footy. Last thing before we move on to looking ahead to the Melbourne. I just want to say, Ash, real quick, that if that anything that gets BT and Cameron Ling off commentary will be a a blessing (laughs) for this country. And also I think Channel 7 deserves to lose it for that buddy obstructed view of his thousandth goal. I don't don't know how that happened, but um, I'm I'm ready to move on from Channel 7. They have dropped the ball. I mean, Channel 10 did a great job when they covered footy, so I'd be, I don't know, even I'd be a lot of different people and, the, as Brad would know, the, a lot of the people who work on channels would probably move to Channel 10 anyway if they got the rights. But uh, certainly uh, Channel 7, I reckon they've dropped the ball in a few areas. And I actually don't watch too much between the, um, you know, I, I, my viewing tends to be through Fox footy most of the time. Even the, and they're stuck between quarters and before and after games. It's far superior in my opinion. Uh, one last thing to touch on before we move on to looking ahead to the Melbourne game. Uh, Josh Giddy, Hawthorne supporter, lifelong Hawthorne supporter, adding to the pantheon of Australian basketball greats who are Hawthorne supporters, led by Andrew Gaze, of course, and also Joe Ingalls. He might be more of a Joe Roughhead fan than a, than a Hawth- diehard Hawthorne fan because they're very good mates. But uh, did you know, uh, uh, Danny, that uh, great Josh Giddy, the future superstar of Australian basketball, is a Hawks man? Absolutely no idea, and I love Josh Giddy, so I don't know how I didn't know that. But um, he's kept that one under wraps uh, for a while and then come out and said uh, in his little interview with Hawks uh, today that he's been a lifelong fan and his dad was a lifelong fan, and and uh, and who knew? Who knew? And the overworked Twitter joke already is, can he be selected by Hawthorne in the mid-season draft to play in the Rucks? So. Well, <laughs> he's probably making a little bit too much money. To come we, and play as a mid-season rookie. We might have to start paying attention to the mid-season draft in the next little while. But your some homework for you, Danny. I know you've touched on it briefly already. Is to come up with a list of rock prospects for Hawthorne to look at, and we'll, we'll pass on to Mark McKenzie, head of the uh, head of the mid-season draft in a few weeks, which Hawthorne likely will participate in, just to get some some rock depth because the pictures of Ben McAvoy still in his neck brace engender no confidence whatsoever. No, call then, on uh, Wade, Wade Skipper and David Lote. See what yeah. Doing. Uh, Stephen Road as well. I okay. think we have to get Wade Skipper on here. We 
bring him yeah. up. He's a cult, he's a cult figure. Wave skipper and Carl Peterson. I think we should get it. The heroes of 2010. Oh, Carl Peterson. Uh, we should get them on the uh, and uh, Ron Hooper. We should get them on the uh, on the podcast on the spaces at some stage. Okay, let's moving on to um, Saturday 4:35 at the MCG. It is a Hawthorne uh, member replacement game against Melbourne. Um, so I'm just looking at the teams now as they were selected. Hawthorne um, in Lockie Bramble and Jackson Callow for his debut. Uh, they've managed Denver Granger Barris off a five-day break. To shame coming off probably his best, just about his best game for the club. Finn McGuinness omitted. Um, Josh Ward also managed. Um, looking at the team as uh, I can't quite call it up. Oh, the team lineups. Um, the emergencies this stage, Ned Long, Granger Barris, Howe and McGuinness. Well, I think you would imagine it'd be between Howe and McGuinness to be the um, to be the to be the uh, injury sub. Melbourne have um, they've, well, they've had COVID issues at Demons, and they've got uh, four play Petty, Pickett, Jackson, and Sparrow. I think are the four who. Uh, out of their team, all for COVID reasons. Brad, kicking things off, what are your, what, what are your thoughts about this game? Uh, interesting selections. I saw they've rested Josh Ward. Connor McDonald gets another game, which is great. I thought it'd be the other way around. Uh, McDonald will obviously get a rest against the Bombers next week. Great to see Callow come in for a debut. As I mentioned off the top, I thought uh, Impey and Warple were lucky to hold their spots. I think it's going to be a really wet Saturday. Hopefully the rain... I think it's going to clear by the time the game's... Yeah, hopefully. They're expecting a huge amount of rain in the morning, in the late morning, but it should hopefully clear for the afternoon. Uh, Callow's obviously going to have to play a bit in the ruck. Hopefully, Connor Nash doesn't ruck again. We're going to need him in the midfield against Petrarca and Oliver and those boys. Uh, Max Lynch will be better for the run last week. I thought, as Daz mentioned, he was really good in the first half. Ran out of gas in the second half. Unfortunately, got absolutely killed by Laddams in the last quarter. Uh, it's going to be a tough game. We're coming off a five-day break where we were already exhausted. And to come up against Melbourne, it's just, I can't believe that AFL gave us Geelong, Sydney and Tassie, and then five days later, uh, the Demons, which is really, really silly. So I'm surprised there's only two, you know, the two changes. Bramble coming in is great. He was played really well against the Demons last year. So he'll, uh, you know, be good to get him back into the side. But next week's exciting. I think we've sort of just got to get through uh, this week. It's not going to be pretty, but we've got a winnable game against the Bombers. And we'll hopefully have Lewis and CJ back. Ward will come back in. So guys like Warple, uh, uh, MP, Cozzy's going to have to play pretty well because those three guys are going to be under the pump big time if they don't have good games this week. Danny, talk me through. You've watched Callow more than anybody else. How's it going to work? Where, where does he fit into the, the team with, with Kaczynski, with Gunston, um, with Lynch, with Nash? How do you see Callow working? If you were moving the, which, uh, the whiteboard around, what would you be doing? Well, I think when a player comes in for his debut, you've got to try to look after him a little bit. So I'd be playing him in his natural position, which is, uh, which is deep forward and telling him to just try to clunk as many marks. He's got fantastic hands, like bucket-like hands, and he's a really good contested grab. So 
I think you just ask him to keep it really simple, really basic. And then maybe if the ball's not getting down there too much because we're playing the Ds and they've still got an incredible side, um, just roll him through the ruck as uh, as a bit of a, a, a chop-out ruck for Max Lynch. Allow Connor Nash to play in the middle uh, and play as a midfielder. And um, I think the biggest question we have is uh, the Ds are actually playing three key tools. So unless Tom McDonald moves back to play in place of Harrison Petty, we've rested Denver Granger Barras, who plays on Ben Brown, uh, Sam Wiedemann and Tom McDonald in the, in the D's forward line. So um, maybe it's Cozzy that drops back. Uh, but after three goals last week, you'd like to see Cozzy and Callow play together in the forward line, I reckon. Yeah, I was surprised they rested... Uh... DGB for this game. I mean, a five-day turnaround. I mean, I know he's primarily back when he probably got on his bike a bit more against the Swans than he has at any other time in his career. But uh, I was a little bit surprised coming off when he played well and a confidence game and even the messaging out of the club that, uh, you know, we we, we, we embrace the five-day break. We want to get out there quickly and play again. I just thought given that DGB was playing really well, it was not the way to rest him. Yeah, and I think it's also interesting that we haven't seen Kyle Hardigan, who would be his natural replacement. We haven't seen him for a couple of weeks at Box Hill. He's not on the injury report. Uh, we don't really know what's going on with him. So um, it's just it was just weird all around, I think, by the Hawks. Yeah, I think with Hardigan, Prinzi, I think you'll find it's a bit early on in the season, but I've got a feeling even before our bye, I think he's going to be uh, hanging up uh, the boots. I'd be surprised if he uh, plays again. So I think if he wouldn't have, I think we would have seen him. I know he played, I think it was round one or two in the VFL. I think it was the game against Collingwood. He did, he, he cost us seen... the game. Correct. Yeah, he, hasn't <laughs> yeah. been... he hasn't been seen since. So I'd be very surprised if he plays again. So That'd be really yeah. interesting, I reckon, Brad. And maybe there's something to that. Um, but that would open up another potential spot uh, on the in the mid-season draft if you did it before a certain time. Absolutely. So I think it's a watch the space. So, yeah, I think he'll be hanging up the boots in the coming week, probably in the next uh, four or five weeks, I would say. So, yeah. Why would he do that? I don't get that at all. I, I don't – I don't. I can't see it happening. Surely he hangs around the club for the rest of the year in case – what if, if they get another serious knee injury to a key defender? What if uh, DGB doesn't knee or something or Sicily gets injured again? Surely, or Frost, surely he, he's on a contract. Surely he plays a year. It's, it's really interesting. And, and look, that's, that's been my position for the whole time. But I've had uh, a, a, an avid follower of our uh, program, Nick, um, who's listening tonight and probably DMing me saying, give me credit. He called this a couple of months ago. So um, that, that Hardigan would hang up the boots before the end of the year. So who knows? Maybe, maybe there's something in it. I well, can't see it myself. <laughs> well, I'm not sure I can see it either, but uh, yeah, we'll, see. We'll, we'll see what happens. How can Hawthorne, Daz, how can Hawthorne win the game? I think if uh, a few more of their stars go down with COVID, um, that would help for sure. Um, I don't think we actually played really well against Melbourne last year. Drew, we drew. We drew them. Yeah, we, we played pretty well against them. I think it was some of the players that are out, I think um, uh, definitely Luke Jackson is, is, is a massive out for them and um, you know, Gorn always kills us, though, and I, I'm really hoping that Lynch will, you know, back up his really good game against Gorn last year uh, when Collingwood played the Ds uh, to sort of negate his influence around the grounds. I think 
those little get out kicks that he was just swallowing up um, in our game last year. I think if we can kind of minimize his impact around the grounds, go a long way into being competitive. Um, but yeah, they've just got so many options. And I've watched a bit of the D's this year and they, they're just looking like, you know, uh, one of one of the better clubs that I've seen over the past decade. Um, they've just got, they just, you know, that old Clarko adage of replacing a soldier with another soldier. They, they just have the structure and the system that players can go out and then others come in and they're hungry to keep their place. It's just such a, a great situation to be in for a club. Yeah, it's. I mean, they're really well set up. Their defensive structure setup is is wonderful to watch, and it's shameful Hawthorne that they don't have the full arsenal of key fours to try and throw at it. But um, certainly, in the draw against Melbourne, I think Gorn was less dominant. The, the two games against Melbourne before that, Gorn just killed Hawthorne because they just stupidly kept kicking it towards him. Particularly the game they played against Melbourne in the hub in twenty twenty, it was infuriating. Just they just kept picking out, kept kicking the ball. To wherever he was, but that wasn't such a factor last uh, in the draw last year. By which time, I think Sam Mitchell's influence on the team was starting to take a bit of shape in how they played. I, I imagine Mitchell will have a, a plan to at least try and avoid getting Gorn too involved in the game. The fact that Jack is not there to give him a chop out helps out a little bit. But I, I think what you say, Brad, is right. We're in the middle of a Hawks in the middle of a bit of a horror stretch, really. Geelong into Sydney to Melbourne. This might have, this might actually be the toughest three week. Stretch of the year. They come through. Um, they come through Saturday. You know, with uh, Saturday night not having been absolutely thrashed and with a towel between their legs, they will take great confidence at the games they play after that. Absolutely, and, uh, yeah. And as I mentioned, we play the Bombers and the pretty sure the Bulldogs the week. Uh, no, not the uh, Richmond. Richmond, sorry. So that's two very uh, winnable games. So yeah, like uh, you said, I think it's just this is going to be one of those games where we've just got to get through. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, guys hurt or uh, injured to key uh, players. Uh, it's another, you know, game that we're going to get into your McDonald's. Bramble's obviously playing his first game, uh, which will be good. I know you mentioned uh, last year's game, which was an interesting. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure we went into that game ultra tall, which a lot of us queried. I'm pretty sure Jekka, Cozzy and Lewis all played as forwards in that game. I might be wrong. But I reckon it really stretched the D's uh, back line. Uh, Lever, unfortunately, comes back uh, this week, as does Jack uh, Viney. So they lose a couple of guys through COVID. But as you mentioned, they get Lever and Viney back. Tom McDonald's a really, you know, decent, you know, player that uh, I guess he's a depth player for the Demons, but he'd probably be a good swingman for most teams in the competition. So... Yeah, their team on paper is quite strong. Petrarch is actually playing sore at the moment. And I know that for a fact. He's got a bit of a knee. So I think we'll see him play a bit more forward, which you know could be quite scary for one of our defenders. I think Blake Hardwick's having another really good season. He obviously had that really disappointing game a few weeks ago. But I think I think he played on uh, Heaney on Saturday quite a lot of time when Heaney played forward and did a great job. So I think you're going to see Petrarca play quite a lot forward uh, on Saturday afternoon. Clayton and Oliver's are the other one is a watch the space because Callum Mills absolutely destroyed us on the weekend. And it's I don't know why Sam doesn't do it because Clarko didn't. I thought Sam would be different. But Hawthorne, for whatever reason, never, ever tag. And I don't understand why. Uh, Oliver's the type of player who we should give an assignment to, one of, whether it's a younger player, whether it's Jager to get his confidence up, uh, Warple is another one that I think can uh, probably uh, do it. 
But if they let Clayton Oliver get 40 touches and run around free, we're going to lose this game by 60 points plus. So hopefully someone plays on him. I think Sam might have a plan up his sleeve. I believe he does. I think he will have a plan as well. Okay, quickly, uh, let's get, quickly get margins before we finish up. Daz? Uh, I'm going to go with another draw. Oh, <laughs> <they're too obvious. laughs> Brad? Uh, Melbourne by uh, forty by seven goals. I reckon they just under two goals a quarter better side than us at the moment, probably more. But I think we'll put up a fight in the first half. But I think once again we'll run out of legs. I'm going the D's by seven to eight goals. Danny? Yeah, similar for me. Maybe 35, 40 points. Yeah, I've got, yeah I've got Melbourne beating Hawthorne by about six goals. You've got them by 10 points, don't you, Ash? That's your standard. Uh, no, this week I'd have been a bit different. <laughs> I couldn't, no, 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 I could justify the... I think I actually went 30 in the record. Um, but it would be five or six goals. That has been the spaces for this week. Uh, we managed to get there. Just, we apologise again for the uh, interruption a bit earlier on in the... Uh, in the space, and that's the beauty of doing these things live and uh, hoping rely on the good graces of people. Uh, hopefully that won't happen again anytime soon. Um, thank you to everyone for your support of Hawks Insiders. $5 a month, $50 for the for the year. Uh, I think we'll do another Campbell Brown update in the next couple of weeks, which will be pretty good to run. Um, so we'll be back. We'll have our player review. Hawks play Saturday, so hopefully by sometime Sunday, We'll have the uh, player review uh, podcast ready for you all, and then our player and then our match review as well. So, thank you, Danny. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Nathan, for your excellent contribution before. Daz, you made it work beautifully once again in Weesey's absence. I'm not sure we've got him next week. He's away for a couple of weeks, isn't he? Yeah, you know, he might just stay there off the grid. I think he's probably going to enjoy that um, break from technology. Um, but yeah, and I, I really. Uh, try to hit every single button to get that guy off. And, uh, <laughs> I think he's banned now. So hopefully he'll darken these doors again. Uh, everyone enjoy the footy. Try and get to the game. This will be a great test for the young Hawks. Imagine if they play well um, and show some really good signs. It would be great to say down the track. I was there the day they pushed a very good team like Melbourne. So that makes it worth going alone. Um, and we'll talk to you again next week. Once again, uh, shout out to Nick Mason. Hope you feel better, Nick. And, uh, and the Hawk Talk pod guys are also talking Hawks as well for their support. We'll talk to you again on the Spaces next Thursday. And until then, enjoy the rest of your week and have a good weekend.